many of you are ready for the word this morning. I have a short, quick, challenging word for you. So I just want to encourage you to pull upon the word like Sergio said, Pastor Sergio said, pull upon the word because God has something for you. And um, I, I, I don't necessarily... Uh, love this reputation, but I know I have a reputation of getting to the point, getting straight to the heart and telling the truth like it is. Um, I hope that you hear the love when I do that. I'm not, I don't want to be a mean person or people to be afraid of me. Um, that's just part of the way God created me. Um, and I've had to learn how to do that and express that with love and with grace um, and not, um, uh, making people feel judged or condemned because that is not my heart. Um, but I am warning you that I do have a challenging word today. And it's because I love you. Uh, God's word says that he chastens the ones that he loves, right? And we discipline our kids because we love them, parents. And if you're a child in here, your parent disciplines you because they love you. <laughs> Okay, so let's just get ready for the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit of truth that is here today, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord God. And it's going to separate, Father, our flesh from our spirit, Lord God. It's going to reveal the weaknesses in our lives, the areas that we need to change. God, I thank you that you would speak to every person here, Lord, everyone that is here that needs something from you, God. I thank you that they will hear and receive exactly what it is that they need from you, Father, not because of me, not because of my my words, but Lord God, because you are a God of truth. You are a God of healing, Father. You know everything, Lord God. You know what we need more than what more than what we know, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for destiny and purpose in every person's life, Lord God. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. So uh, last week, uh, Pastor Sergio began a new series called The Greatest. Yes, the greatest. And he uh, began his message last week on in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment and the greatest commandment. And the second one like it. And he spoke about that and how um, a lot of Christians today um, want to know the rules. Remember what he spoke about? Uh, you know, tell, just tell me what the rules are. Just tell me what I can and can't do. Um, that whole uh, rules, um, it's not a, about um, a religion, but it's about relationship. But not, we say that, but we don't actually live that. A lot of the church is not actually living that. And so, um, and then the week before that, Pastor Breck um, spoke about grace, about the grace of God and how um, God loves us and there's power in that grace and that power is working in our lives. Um, and so this morning, I want to talk to you about purpose and finding your purpose and layering those messages that we've been hearing where we talked about grace. And then Pastor Sergio last week talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and how the vision of this church comes from that scripture about putting God first, loving him first. And out of that comes lifting others, right? And so this morning, I wanted to talk to you specifically about finding your purpose. We were, every single person in this room was born with a purpose. You were born, you were created with a destiny. God created you for a specific purpose. Everyone has one. And there's two things that we, to think about when we're talking about purpose. Having a purpose is one thing, and understanding I have a purpose. We say that, I have a purpose. That's Christian lingo. But doing it, living in your purpose is another thing. So understanding that you have a purpose and actually living it is another thing. Knowing I have a destiny, 
How many know that you have a destiny? You have a purpose in your life. Okay, now you need to understand what it will take to accomplish that destiny. And a lot of times we don't take it to that second step. We just confess and say, yes, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And now I accept that I have a purpose and a destiny in my life. And then we let it stop there. And this morning, I want to challenge you in that. I want to challenge you to look at your life and see where you're at and how much of your destiny that you accepted on the day that you accepted Christ has come to pass in your life. To evaluate where you are in your purpose with God. So knowing I have a destiny, number two, understanding what it will take to accomplish that destiny, and number three, applying myself to actually make it happen. And so I want you to be thinking about those three things as I speak to you this morning. Um, Serving the Lord the way we have for as long as we've had, we've pastored hundreds and hundreds of people. We've built relationship with so many people in the body. And the sad thing that I have to stand up here and say to you is of all the people that we've ministered and pastored in our walks, I would really say that there's maybe only 5% of those people that actually are fulfilling their destiny and that are actually fulfilling their purpose in God. Isn't that sad? Do you know how discouraging that is as a pastor, as a minister, that you see people living their lives and they're living mundane Christian lives? Lives? They're not fulfilling their purpose. They've accepted that there's a destiny, but they're not doing anything about that destiny. They're not doing anything to accomplish that destiny and to fulfill that destiny. They're not holding themselves accountable to that destiny and that purpose. That is frustrating, and it's sad because that's not what what God sent his son Jesus to die for us to live a basic life. Our world is so modern compared to the way that it was, obviously, when Jesus walked the earth. And things continue to change. Ways of living continue to change. The way we think continues to change. But you know something that does not change is the word. The Bible has not changed. His instructions for us have not changed. God has not changed. Jesus in our lives has not changed. It continues to remain the same full of power, full of purpose, full of instruction, filled with many tools, but a lot of us are not using them. We're not using them and we're not keeping ourselves accountable to the purpose of God in our lives and why we were created. Jesus is still calling us to follow him as boldly as he was when he walked on the earth. When he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's still calling you. He's still calling you to a life of change, of commitment to him. But there's something in our flesh, our frame, this body that we live in that resists laying our lives down. There's something in our flesh that resists committing wholly to God. There's something in our our minds and in our souls that pull us in other directions. Accepting him as your savior was only the first step. There's so much more to living for God and fulfilling your purpose than just accepting him as your savior. Making him the Lord of your life needs to be the second step. And what does that mean to make him the Lord of your life? It means that you make it a priority to find out what it is that he wants for your life. 
and you live it. But you have to make that a priority. A lot of us have just accepted Jesus in our lives, and then we come to church when it's convenient for us, but we're not living in purpose and destiny. We're letting life happen, and that's not the way that God wants you to live your life. That's not the reason that he sent his son to sacrifice. That's not the kind of life that he died for us to have. It means that you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and because you do that, you desire to please him with your life. And again, it's not about earning his love. It's about loving him back. You live in your purpose and your destiny. You make it a priority because you understand how much he loves you and you want to love him back. Loving Jesus back can be a challenge sometimes because we have our thoughts, we have our ways, we have our ideas about what it is that we want in life and what we desire. It means that we have to face our weaknesses. I was speaking to someone um, last week about just family members and um, just the way they think and um, how they process things that happen in their lives and how they're always, you know, I'm a victim. This is what happened to me. And I was challenging that person in their thinking because they were frustrated with the family and I was just letting them know, you know, they haven't accepted Christ. Like, they, and they don't live in truth. And the reason why they don't live in truth is because if they do, if they accept truth and decide to live in truth, that means they have to change. And they're not willing to change. So to justify not changing, I'm a victim. And a lot of times that's the way the church lives. Because we don't want to change our weaknesses. We don't want to face and admit, I'm weak. I'm weak here. So it can be a challenge to love Jesus back. Because that means we have to change but it's a challenge that is always worth it. There has never been a moment that I've faced that has been so difficult to face because I had to admit that I'm wrong, I'm weak, I'm handling this wrong, I'm seeing things wrong, I'm seeing things from a victim's perspective. And in doing that, it takes you back to the moment of pain or of hurt when that first came into your life. And a lot of times we don't want to face that. We don't want to go back to feeling that victim mentality again. We're tired of feeling that way. And so we cover it up. And a lot of times that's why we don't admit because we don't want to, we, we have fear of facing that, that moment again. But when you make a decision to fulfill your purpose in God and that you love the Lord and that you love him with all your heart, you will face whatever you have to face so that you can fulfill your purpose and your destiny. And I promise you from experience, I can promise you that that there's no other way to live your life. There's no better way to live than living and knowing that you're living in God's perfect will. I mean, we deal with such difficult things sometimes. We have to make difficult decisions and we have to carry heavy weights on our shoulders. Even Sergio just got back from India, it feels like. It feels like he just got back yesterday and then he's leaving again. And sometimes that can be hard. It can be difficult. I'm going to school full-time. We have jobs. We have full-time jobs. We have three kids go to three different schools, and we have to drop off and pick up from three different locations and dealing with sickness and cleaning my house and washing the dishes and cooking dinner and all of those things that are a part of life. 
And sometimes I'm like, God, I'm just tired. This is hard. I don't want to do this. And then I remember where God has brought me from. And in comparison to that, I go, man, God, I'll do even more than this for you. And I'll tell, and we, we, we remind each other constantly, baby, this is hard, but man, there's nothing like being in God's will. There's nothing like being in God's will. I don't want to be anywhere else. I could be somewhere else where circumstantially it would be easy for, easier for us. But my heart desires to be in God's will to fulfill his purpose for my life. Every year I evaluate where my life is at and how much of my destiny has taken place or am I just looking at it and letting life pass? You know, there's years where I've had to evaluate and go, wow, I, did, I don't think I accomplished anything this year that God wanted me to accomplish. I just let life happen. And it never feels good. And so I want to challenge you this morning to evaluate your life. Knowing your purpose and actually living in it calls for you and I to surrender our lives daily. It comes with surrender. Living in your purpose means you have to surrender to that purpose. It's not just a one-time experience of surrender. I find that days can go by. Life will just happen. And if I don't take those moments to say, God, I surrender my life to you today. Father, this is a consecration prayer for, for me. This is something that I've made part of my life where I'll pray, Lord, not my will, but your will be done today in my life. I can, if I don't have those moments, I find that days just roll on by where I'm not fulfilling my purpose, where destiny is in front of me, but I'm not in tune with destiny where things happen. I was thinking about it this morning, and not to beat myself up or anything, but this is how my relationship is with God. After getting that phone call from the friend about her husband, and um, a few years back, I don't know, maybe uh, four years ago, maybe five years ago, we went on vacation to Florida, and we flew to the, um, Florida, and we spent a week at the beach in Daytona. And I hadn't spoken to her in years it, since we left. And guess who was at the beach and staying in the same hotel that we were staying in? Her and her husband and her three kids. And I'm laying out on the beach in my bathing suit, and I look up, and I see her standing there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. What a coincidence that we were both there at the same time. We hadn't seen each other in such a long time, and they happened to be there. And the way that I met this young girl is I remember um, being in a time in my life where I realized, like, all of my friends are Christians. All of my friends go to church. All of my friends do all of the same things that I do. And I realized in that moment in my life, I need some unsafe friends. I need to step out of my comfort zone. Things were really comfortable for me. And I realized, and God challenged me. God convicted me because he had invested so much in me. And it wasn't just to feed the body, but it's to reach the lost. And I was at a place in my life where I was being challenged personally in my relationship with God, thinking, man, I haven't led anyone to the Lord in a long time. And here I have small children, and they're seeing this Christian life that we're living, and we're never around any unsaved people. And so I started to feel challenged, like, I need to find some people who need the Lord, because that's why I'm living this way, 
so that we can add to the body, so that we can add to the family of Christ. So I remember I was, um, I had just pulled into my driveway, um, coming home from the grocery store. We had just moved into this new neighborhood and she was a block away walking with her son. And I noticed that her son was the same age as mine. And so I stayed sitting in the driveway until she walked in front of my house. And then once she walked in front, I got out. And she was pregnant at the time. I got out and started emptying out my groceries and struck up a conversation with her. <laughs> Just, hi, how are you? And it ended up being that we almost looked like we could have been sisters. And so on, I, as soon as I saw her, I looked for something that I could find that we had in common. And she had brown hair, dark skin, freckles. We looked a lot alike. And so I used that. And so I built a relationship with this girl and her husband. And they did not know the Lord. And so I prayed with her several times. I ministered to her. And that's how I met this girl. Fast forward a couple of years down, we've moved to Sacramento. And we go back home to visit. And we're in Daytona. We lived in Ocala, which was like three hours away from Daytona. And the same week they happened to be there. And we hung out with them. We loved on them. But you know what? I did not talk to them about their relationship with God that day. Do you know that that was destiny? That that was purpose? It wasn't just so that we could reminisce and have a good time seeing each other. I have a purpose. I have a purpose in my life. God created me for a reason. And I believe part of purpose that I miss that moment to take an opportunity to challenge them and pray with them about their relationship with God. And I did not do it. I remembered that this morning after I hung up with her and sat in my bathroom and crying for her. And I remembered and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry that I didn't speak to them that, that week, that we had another opportunity. Now, Sometimes God gives you destiny. He gives you assignments and gives you purposes. And then you don't, uh, you let life pass you like I did in that moment. God gives it to somebody else. So he's, it's, he's greater than our weaknesses and our mistakes and our selfishness. But man, I don't want purpose and destiny to pass me by like that. I don't want to have moments like I had this morning going, man, God, I should have prayed with them. I should have talked to them about you. I don't want to have those moments. So I have found to actually live in my purpose, I need to daily surrender my will. We must be placed on the altar daily. We have got to place our lives before his altar daily and say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Every day we wake up, our flesh seeks comfort. We seek acceptance. That's what our flesh seeks and desires. And the Bible says that our flesh and our spirit are at war with one another. It seeks being accepted by the world around me. So we live as humans seeking acceptance. But following Jesus calls for a way of living that takes you to a higher level. Just seeking accept, acceptance from the world and the world around you is basic, low-level thinking. That's the way everybody's living. That's the way everybody lives their life in the world, seeking acceptance from the world around us. But as Christians, as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, we need to rise up to a higher level of living and level of thinking. Are you a low-level 
living Christian who believes in Christ but doesn't grow? You have to challenge yourself and on purpose decide that I am going to grow in my walk with God. I am going to grow in my spirit. I'm not going to let life just happen every day and another wrinkle come on my face and not grow in my spirit. My body is aging. My spirit needs to grow too. You have to make that decision. Living higher than just seeking what is socially acceptable calls for a great devotion and yieldedness to God. If you are in love with Jesus, then your life decisions will show that. We make decisions every day. Every decision, I mean every big decision, not, not what I'm going to eat when I leave here. I don't need God to lead me to what to eat after church. I'm not talking about that. Don't get weird. But all the decisions that I make in my life, I yield them before the Lord, and I ask him to direct me and to guide me. I give him place to tell me whether it's something that I really want to do. I, I go, Lord, this is what I really want, but not my will, your will. And there's times where I've had to lay down what it is that I want because it was not God's will for me. And what I found that every time I've had to do that, God gives it back to me. And when he gives it back to me, it's so much greater than what I would have had if I would have pursued it at the time that I wanted to pursue it in. So every time you decide to come to church, every time you choose to serve, every time you make a decision to get up and say, I'm going to read my word today, Every time you step out and say, hey, I, I noticed that you're not feeling good. Can I pray for you? Every time that you notice someone who's struggling or hurting and you step out and say, let me just pray for you. You know how many times I've done that at school? I didn't have to go telling people, hey, I'm a Christian. I didn't have to do that. You know how they found out that I was a Christian? Because never fails at least 10 times a day. Somebody's crying in a corner. And I'll go. If it's somebody, then I'll know. I'll go over and say, hey, can I pray for you? And it's like everybody in the room just kind of gets real quiet and like, oh, my gosh. And people who are not even Christians, they close their eyes and they, you know, because that's all they know. Religion is all they know. And I don't know what they're expecting to come out of me, but there's so many times I just lay my hands and I say, Jesus, I just thank you that you know what my sister's going through. And, God, that you help them, that you heal them, that you provide for them, that you would be with them today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody's amen. And I get up and I leave. And so people will come back to me after and go, oh, you know, it's so great to know I'm not alone. There's other Christians here at this school. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're a Christian? We need to have another come to the altar moment. It shouldn't be that. It's funny, but are you, is that you? Are you that Christian that's hiding and is afraid to go to someone and say, hey, can I pray for you and say the name of Jesus and have the faith, the trust that I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be somebody I'm not. All I have to do is extend the hand of the Lord and say, God, you know, and trust that that prayer is going to work. That comes with being devoted. That comes with putting my life on the altar. Because, you know, it's, 
Sometimes it's like we don't want to tell people that we're pastors because as soon as we do, they change the way they act. They start to act a different way. And I don't like that. I want people to be who they are around me, whatever. I'm not anything special. I'm nobody special. I want people to be real around me. So sometimes I won't tell people. Everyone knows that my husband left, and some of the people that don't know me will ask me, oh, well, why did your husband go to India? What is he doing there? Is it for work? And, I, and at that moment, I have to put my life on the altar and go, yeah. He's going there to preach, to minister. And right away, people are like, oh, really? And what does it do? It opens up. It gives me an opportunity to share my faith, to share why I live my life the way that I do. But my flesh wants to just go, yeah, it's for work, and lead the conversation. And we do that a lot. But we have to remember, God, you loved me, and I want to love you back. And so I have purpose. This is destiny. This is destiny right now. And so what am I going to do with that destiny moment? I've heard so many say, many of you here say, oh, I want to serve the Lord. I want to give my life to God. I want to serve God. And you barely come to church. You come to church maybe one Sunday out of the four months in a Sunday, and you're trying to decide which Sunday am I going to go. Am I going to go this Sunday or am I going to go next Sunday? That's not how devotion looks. That's not what devotion and being committed wholly to Christ looks like. That's not putting your life on the altar. It's not convenient to come to church every Sunday or when the doors are open. It's not convenient to serve when there's opportunities to serve. But are you devoted? Have you made the commitment to live in your purpose and in your destiny? So some of you say you want to serve God, but you struggle just to come to church. You need to ask yourself, where are you at? If, if destiny was a map, where are you at on that map? How far have you traveled in your destiny with Christ, in your purpose with God? We all have to ask ourselves that. Stop making excuses. Your kids are not an excuse. Your job is not an excuse. Your marriage is not an excuse. There's nothing that is a valuable excuse. Being a single mom or a single dad, that's not an excuse. You decide where your life goes with God. And that means you decide whether or not you're going to submit and lay your life down and be devoted to Christ. It doesn't work that way where you can say, I want to serve God, but you don't come. You're not here. You're not laying yourself down. There has to be a level of devotion on your part, and devotion calls for you to give. You are either devoted and there's fruit in your life, or you're not. And so if you're not devoted, there's still fruit, but it's not good fruit. And that's where the word says that you will know them by their fruit. You will know them. And so it's very easy to see. I mean, we're not going to do that, but I could stand every single one of you up here. And we could rate where you are at in your purpose and your destiny with God by the fruit that is in your life. And listen, that's not the heart of God to 
condemn anyone, to judge anyone, and that's not my heart either. My heart in sharing this message with you this way is because it's yielded so many good things for me. Because this is the way that I live my life. And this is how I experience what I experience, peace, joy, comfort, no more nightmares, no more struggling with rejection, no more worrying about what other people think when they look at me, no more pain because of what I've lost and what was taken from me, because I've made a decision to live devoted to Christ. I'm not trying to earn Christ's love. He already loves me. But what I am doing is loving him back, and it has changed me. And I I can say this, that there's nothing like living in God's will. Who's trying to interrupt my message over here? (laughs) There's nothing like living in God's will. There's nothing like being where God has called you to be and taking part in what he's called you to do, doing it together with him. There's nothing like it. So I don't want anyone to feel condemned here. I want you to feel challenged and encouraged because there's a better way. On the other side, it's so much better. There's so much more peace. There's so much more of living the word and enjoying life. And that's what I want for you. So let's be real. Hard work is part of fulfilling the call of God on your lives. It takes hard work. Accepting Christ is easy, saying Jesus, I accept you, I receive you. That's the easy part. Making him the Lord of your life is where the work comes in. So I'm telling you, there's nothing like living in God's will. I mean, it's amazing. It's full of adventure, but it's hard. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you, oh, it's the easiest life, because it isn't always easy. Having to make a decision, having to lay myself down, having to put myself last is not always easy. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil. The devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So that means they're known. You know who serves God and who doesn't. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So this follows up that scripture that says the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So there's, yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind, but what does that look like? It looks like a person who's deciding to make choices to live a righteous life. Don't get it mixed up. It's not about earning. It's not to earn Christ's love. It's to grow in your relationship with him. There's growth that needs to take place in your spirits. So what was the purpose of Jesus? This word, this scripture right here tells us. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil roams around the earth seeking people to devour seeking someone to depress, seeking someone to distract. He's he's roaming. He's actively, aggressively seeking every single one of you here this morning and trying to find a way that he can stick his foot out and trip you up. He's looking. He's seeking. 
We have to actively and aggressively seek God's will more than what the enemy is seeking to distract you. Because in that same purpose that Jesus was sent to manifest God's power in the earth, that is in your life. The devil is at work in your life and in mine, and he effectively keeps most Christians from living an abundant life. He distracts, and he keeps you from connecting to your purpose, the purpose that you were born for. John 12, 27 says, um, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came in this hour. So even Jesus struggled with his wills. Jesus struggled with his purpose. In this moment, Jesus was saying, God, can you save me from this? Because my will is kind of not wanting to do this. And then he had to remember, but for this purpose is what I was made for. This is what I was created for. This is what you sent me here for. For this purpose, I came to this hour. He had to make a decision to lay his life down. And so Jesus had to do it. There were three times in the scriptures that it talks about how Jesus prayed and said, if there be any other way, God, Father, if there's any other way, because I'm looking at what's ahead and I don't think I want to do it. That was Jesus's will. We all have a will. And we have to decide what we're going to do with our lives and if we're going to lay it down. Jesus wrestled with his own purpose with his father. He understood and so he understands and knows how difficult it is for you to live out your purpose. He knows what it costs you and he's not disappointed in you. No matter how much you've traveled on your map of destiny, he's not disappointed in you if you haven't been making good choices to grow in your purpose and knowing what God's called you to do. So let me just remove that again. This is not to condemn anyone. This is to challenge you because it's so much better on the other side of that decision. I've told God plenty of times that I felt like what was ahead of me was just too much for me. Like I didn't know if I could do it, but I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still growing. I'm not where I was when I had to say it that time and the many times that I've had to say it and probably will say it again. As I grow, I prepare myself for more. I allow God to prepare me for more, to deal and to handle with more. I've, the reason why I'm, I'm still here after I've dealt with all the things that I've dealt with, and some of you have dealt with worse things than I have, but the reason why I'm here is because I've made a solid commitment. I've made a solid commitment and told God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it costs. If you ask me to give my life, I will. If you ask me to surrender my life, I will. Whatever you ask of me, God, I'll give it to you. And I've had to pray that prayer over and over again because it gets weaker. Like I said, life happens. You live and you don't put your life on the altar. It'll just keep happening. Life will just keep going. 
You stay in the same spot in your purpose and destiny. You don't grow there, and you eventually revert. But life will continue to happen. So I've made that part of my life that I continually remind myself and I remind the Lord, God, I've promised you everything. It doesn't matter what it costs. I'll give whatever it costs because I'm committed to you. John chapter 6, verse 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, Jesus speaking again, but the will of him who sent me. So we all have a will, just like Jesus did. He said, I came not to do my own will. So we have a will. What is it that you will to do in your life? Daily, what is it that, what is in your will to happen daily? So tomorrow, you guys are going to wake up on a Monday morning, and your will is going to speak to you. Are you going to speak back to your will, or are you going to just let your will rule your life? So we have to all make decisions not to do our own will. God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. That one prayer has saved me so much and has helped me. You've got a will, and you need to make choices in your life. Proverbs chapter 20 says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. And so as you continue to submit your will to God, he will order your steps. It's the steps of the righteous that are ordered by God. And when you submit your will to God, that makes you righteous. When you surrender and accept Jesus as your Savior, and then you make him Lord of your life, that makes you righteous. It's not your acts that make you righteous. It's surrendering your heart and receiving Christ. He makes us righteous. But it goes so much further beyond that. Because he loved me, I want to love him back. And that's what I can do to love him back, is give him my will. And allow him to use my life for his will, for his purpose, for whatever he wants. Guidance will come as you move. You'll find in life. As you submit and you surrender to God, there's been so many times where I've had people come to me and say, oh, well, this is what I'm going through, and I just don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to go. I don't hear God speaking. You know, I've prayed, and I don't hear God speaking. Well, that's not how God works. He speaks. He's not silent. If, he, if you don't hear him speaking to you in your spirit, then you need to open your Bible and find what he says to you in the word. Because God responds. And it's when you submit to him, when you obey his guidance, he will continue to order your steps. You know, our ways are not his ways, and this is a difficult way to live your life. This is not cupcakes and butterflies saying that I want to submit myself to God. I want him to order my steps. It's not easy. It ain't. This is a discipleship talk. Are you a disciple? Or are you not? It's hard, but it's not. You don't have to do it alone. That's the purpose of coming and being a part of a, a church body and having your family there to help you, to be able to call and say, man, I'm struggling. My will is to do this. Even though I know this is not right, that's what my flesh is desiring. I need some help. There is a conflict that we must face in our commitment to fulfill our purposes. And every tomorrow there is difficulty and distraction. You have to know that. Just because you're submitted to God doesn't mean that there's not difficulty ahead. It doesn't promise that. 
you have to make a decision to commit. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. Why? Why is it your reasonable service? What has God done for you? Sometimes we need to think about that. Sometimes in my marriage, I have to think about why I said yes when I said I do. Because I'm like, why? What? So sometimes I have to go, you know what? I don't feel in love right now. Let me just think about how I felt on that day when I said I do. <laughs> when I walked down the aisle, when I felt so in love and thought I was going to conquer the world. Let me remind myself why I said I do. Sometimes I have to do that. I have to will myself. I'm not, don't, why are y'all judging me? <laughs> you too. You have to do it too if you're married. You have to decide sometimes that I'm going to love this man or I'm going to love this woman. I don't feel in love right now, but I will myself to love this man. We have to do that in our relationships with God because it is our reasonable service. What has he done for you? What has God done for you? It is your reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where that low-level living is. You have to renew your mind from that low level of living. Renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove What is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God in your life? A lot of you are living and you're not proving God's perfect, good, and acceptable will. You're not proving it. That's my goal. That's my dream is to prove God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. To prove that he is real and that he is good. Every time you choose God's will, you overcome difficulty and distractions and stay in tune with God's will and keeping him the Lord of your life. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind is where we reprogram our thinking with the Bible. Reading the Bible and praying the word of God over your life. It takes making a decision to lay yourself down every day, pick up that Bible, open your mouth and pray. And a lot of times what we've seen is people pray religious prayers and live religious lives and look boring as heck. And so we avoid that. We avoid that type of life of reading the word and praying the word over your life. You will not fulfill your destiny. You will not live in your purpose for God if you do not read and you do not pray. It's part of living and laying your life down for Christ. That is how we pick up the cross and we carry our cross. That day when Jesus decided, not my will, but your will be done, he carried the cross on his back and he walked through the town and up the mountain, up the hill to Calvary. He carried that cross. And now we have to do the same. And how we carry our cross is making a decision that I'm going to make it a priority to pray, to talk to the Lord, to talk to my Savior, to ask my Lord, what is your will for my life today? Not my will, but yours be done. 
That's how we carry our cross. I was in a service a few weeks ago, and this very well-respected minister was, had preached. And it was like a prophetic message. He was encouraging, and it was, a, it was very powerful. And he was sharing his story and his experience and giving us wisdom on how he had accomplished the things that he had accomplished. And he's accomplished so much for the Lord. And if I said his name, you would know who it is. And then at the end of the service, he says, okay, everybody stand up. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray what I just preached into the room. So just like I'm up here talking to you guys about devotion and about being committed and laying your life down, that's what's in the room right now. It's like floating over your head, and you're going to decide, am I going to take this and make it mine? Or am I just going to hear another nice message and leave here and not change at all? So he had preached his message, and it was in the room. And so he said, it's in the room, and God has just spoken to me, and I want you all to stand up. I'm not telling you to stand up. This is what he's telling everybody. I want you all to stand up, and I'm going to pray over you. And while I'm praying over you, I want you to visualize God doing these same things for your life. But you have to go after it. You have to set your spirit to go after what it is that I'm, I just preached into this room. And so he has all of us stand. And this is a Christian conference, so these are all church people, leaders, And I'm sitting there. I'm in the front row. I was there by myself. Sergio wasn't there with me. And so he explains to everyone, I'm going to pray this over you. As I'm praying it over you, I want you to receive it. And then at the end of my prayer, I'm going to say this one word. And when I say this word, I want you to pray. And I want you to press through in the spirit and receive what it is that God has for you today. And so he goes through his prayer, and I'm there. My spirit's just turning, and I'm receiving, and I'm taking what was mine. And then he releases us to pray. And then I stopped praying, and I opened my eyes, and I looked around because I thought I was in the room by myself. Because no one else prayed in tongues in that room. No one else activated what God, I mean, maybe they did, but they were going, you couldn't hear them. And he just challenged us to go after it. He actually walked the stage praying in tongues and showed us what his body looked like at times where he had to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through him. That's called maturing in Christ. You have to mature in your relationship with God. and you, It doesn't just happen. You decide it's going to happen. And because you decide it's going to happen, then you're going to make it a point to learn about how to grow in your spirit. And part of growing in your spirit is knowing the word, praying the word over your life, and praying in the spirit, and winning souls. If you're not actively doing those things, you're not growing in your spirit. And you've got to decide, how much longer am I going to live and not be in my purpose? You decide. And so I'm standing here, and this message, I mean, no one's praying. And he clearly told us, I want you to pray in tongues. And so he he goes, come on, pray with me. And no one did it. (laughs) And I felt so weird. But I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. And I prayed in strong tongues by myself in that conference. And that's okay, because I got what I went there to get. 
I received what it is that God had for me. And it's not all been fulfilled in my life yet, but you know what? I prayed it through. The Holy Spirit helped me pray it through because I prayed in tongues and stuff happened on the inside of me. Things changed on the inside of me. And something that I need to face a difficulty that is ahead, it got there. It got where it needed to be because I activated my spirit and took my will and submitted it and I felt weird because nobody else was praying. I said, okay, that's all right. You just feel weird. Pray in tongues. Because I love God. And when I do that, it draws me closer to him. And I've made a decision that I'm committed to you. And so if I have to stand in a room and feel weird and pray in tongues by myself to get closer to you, then I'm going to do it. But you know why I had the strength to do that too? the ability and the capacity to do that because I pray in tongues in my room by myself. That's why. If you're not taking time to pray in tongues in your room by yourself with God and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, man, do it. Come on. It works. The word works. And that's part of living the Christian life and being devoted to Christ and laying your life down. You have to make it a priority to grow in your spirit. And it doesn't just take place when you accept Christ. Knowing the word and challenging your way of living by the word of God brings you to a place of proving, knowing, and demonstrating what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the scripture right here tells us that the will of God is good. The will of God is acceptable. And the will of God is perfect. God's will is good. If you are going in a direction or taking part of something that is, cha- that is making you uh, morally having to question like, huh, is this right? Should I be doing this? Then you're not in God's will. If you're deciding to, you know, uh, let me, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to do it. Okay, that's not God's will. Because God's will is good. Moving to Sacramento, I'm sorry, God's will is good. If you are making a decision to be in a position of bad character or where it is morally wrong, doubtful, suspicious, or sneaky in any way, that's not God's will because God's will is good and perfect. It also says that God's will is acceptable. So even in challenging times, even in the challenge, doing God's will will make your heart love it. It will make your heart accept it because God's will is acceptable. So moving to Sacramento, that was a challenge for me. Um, having to leave everything that I love, that I know, that I was so comfortable with, all my friends, all my family, everything that I loved, every, it was who I was. And I had to give all that up to come to Sacramento. That was a hard decision that I had to make. Um, and then even getting to Sacramento was even harder once we got here to actually live here. I, it was just so different. It was culture shock compared to what I, had, what, what I was used to. And I had to learn a new way of thinking, a new way of living, and I had to adjust my life. I left a lot of things that I loved. But the one thing that kept me from being being here and not being in God's will, does that make sense? Because, like, it was hard for me to come here, so I came and I was uncomfortable. And so what I could have did was complain, get depressed. And I did. I did. I wasn't perfect. I had to get back to the 
altar of my heart and decide, make that decision again to say, not my will, but your will be done, God. God was very clear with us when he told us it was time for us to move to Sacramento. So that was something that I knew we had to do. But he didn't give us specific directions. He didn't give us specifics about what was going to happen once we got here. But even though I had to go through the things that I had to go through, my heart loved Sacramento. It was different. And so I had to adjust. I had to adjust to different circumstances of living. But there was something in my heart that accepted Sacramento and the people of Sacramento because it was God's will. It was God's good and acceptable will. So it was what I accepted in my heart. Now, here's the other side of that. Not being submitted is not going to, you won't experience the same thing. If you're not submitted and you're butting heads with God's will for your life, it's not going to feel acceptable in your heart. That comes with you making the decision, God, this is hard, but not my will, but yours be done. You'll find your heart accepting and loving what it is that God's called you to do. A lot of times we're, we resist God's will or God's purpose because we're afraid like, oh, God's going to make me um, commit to not, you know, to being single for the rest of my life or stupid things like that, you know, like, oh, he's going to make me be a missionary and sacrifice and live in, you know, Zimbabwe or something. I don't know. You know, we think all these crazy things that God's going to ask us to do things that we don't want to do, but that's not true. You'll, what you'll find is when you submit to God, the things that you love are the things that he wants you to do. That's what you'll find. It's where usually that kind of helps me and guides me in my life and knowing God's will and God's purpose because I'm submitted to him now. Because I pray and I read my word and I pray the word over my life, the things that I love are the things that he wants me to do. He's not asking me to do something that I don't want to do, that I don't love. That doesn't mean it's always easy. But the will of God is acceptable. The will of God is perfect. God's will is perfect for you, and it will fit just right for you. Again, if you are resisting God's will, then it won't feel right. Because he's not going to force anything on you. It's your will. You have to make your will his will. You have to conform yourself to the will of God. You must be aggressive to allow the will of God to take place in your life. It will not just happen by chance. You must respond to the call that is on your life 100%. Not 90%, not 95%, 100%. And so when I'm faced with a challenge, when I'm faced with something that's difficult, I remind myself, 100%, Tina. Not 90%, 100%. Not partially, all the way. There will always be questions. There will always be that one that says, really, you got to go to church again? Really, you're not going to rest? Aren't you tired? Do you really have to pray that loud? Do you really have to pray in weird tongues? Do you really have to memorize all these scriptures? Well, when you've decided 100%, When you've decided that, your spirit should respond and go, yes, it does. It takes this because God loved me, and it's the least I can do for what he's done for me. And this is the, there's nothing like living this way. 
That's what your spirit should respond. Now, I'm not saying that you have to say that literally to people because I know some of you who've made a decision to, some of you singles who've made a decision to serve God and do it 100%, you've had your parents go, really, you got to go to church again? When they weren't saying that to you when you were going out to the club or, you know, places where you weren't supposed to be, they weren't doing it then. How come it has to be when you decide to serve God and do something good with your life? They want to challenge you. You never spend time with the family. You always put other people before us. That's because I've made a decision that I'm wholly serving God. And I have to change my way of thinking. And you don't want to change your way of thinking because you don't want to change. Now, you don't have to say that to their face. (laughs) But those are the conversations you should have in your head. Instead of going, nobody believes in me. Nobody supports me. This is too hard. I can't do it. Why is this so hard? Why does my life have to be so hard? Why do I have to sacrifice more than what anybody else has to sacrifice? Please stop. (laughs) Please. You speak to yourself and say, not my will, but God's will be done in my life. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, James 1, verse 4 says. Mature and complete. Where are you in your mature and completeness? Where are you? You have to persevere in life and in your commitment to serve God and be devoted to him. I challenge you today to take up the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's the greatest adventure there is. It's the greatest life to live. There's nothing better than being in God's perfect will for your life. This is the only life worth living and dying for. Stand up with me. I gave, um, can you put that last scripture up for me? It says, um, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling for you, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what the exceeding greatness of his power is toward us who believe. Keep going. According to that working in the strength of his might, which he brought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him to sit at his right hand in the heavenly places. Is that it? But it says at the beginning of the scripture that your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you would understand and experience the hope of knowing and fulfilling your purpose. And so right now, I just want to pray with you. I want to agree with you and pray over your life. That your eyes would be opened. That the understanding and your thinking would be changed that you would be able to see what you haven't been able to see. And it starts with making the decision. God, holy, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you, God. And then ask yourself, God, what, what does that look like? What is my, how does my life compare to what it should look like to love you with my whole heart? And am I doing that? You should feel challenged right now. Not condemned. Not judged. 
But what I hope that you experience is God's love drawing you to make a deeper commitment, to be devoted to him. That's what I hope that you feel right now in this moment. Not me up here pointing my finger at you. I know I made some jokes and I said some things that might have been like, ow, that hurt. But my heart is because I want you to experience what I've experienced in my devotion to Christ. And there's still more for me. I'm not perfect. I I have to continue to devote myself to him. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And right now, if there's anyone here that hasn't made that decision to accept Christ, to accept him as your savior, I want to give you that opportunity to experience the life that I described, the life that God sent his son Jesus for you to have. This message wasn't about us being hurt and needing God's healing. It was more about us making a decision to grow in our personal lives. But right now, I want to give you the opportunity because God also does that. He's also in the business of healing you where you're hurting and receiving you where you feel rejected. And if there's anyone here that would like to make that decision today, just raise your hand because I'd like to pray for you. And I also want to pray for everyone who's here because you also have a purpose and a destiny. You were created for more than just being a Christian, for more than just accepting Christ. That's the purpose that God sent his son so that you can know him. But it's more than just knowing him. It's making him the Lord of your life. And a lot of you need to come to the altar of your life And you need to tear down some of the places that you've made altars because you have altars for the wrong things. And you have to make a decision. God, I'm going to love you with my whole heart. And so I'm going to pray for you right now, just like I described that that minister did. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to confess over you. I'm going to speak over your life. And as I'm doing that, as I'm speaking, you let the power of my voice affect your soul change your mind. You receive it. Visualize it in that way that as I'm praying, as I'm speaking, that things are changing on the inside of you. It might not be something that you feel immediately, but it's by faith that we receive from God. And so you need to close your eyes and agree with me and say, by faith, God, I believe that I'm changing on the inside. What I've been struggling with, I'm going to make a decision to conquer it. And I'm going to get the strength that I need right now in this moment because that's God's heart for you. To heal every area that is broken. To take everything that's in the wrong place inside of you and put it in the right place where it belongs. And then give you that same power that Jesus had in his life when he rose from the dead and he conquered hell, he conquered every evil work, that same power will be inside of your life to live every day. God, we just thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for your anointing right now in the name of Jesus that tears down every stronghold, every lie that we've believed about ourselves, Lord God. Every 
commitment that we've made of, with compromise, with accepting the way, the way the world lives, God, right now, I ask that as everyone is standing here with their eyes closed, that you would show them their spirits and what their spirit looks like, God. And that they would be encouraged, Lord God, and feel your strength, Father. Feel your spirit helping them, drawing them, calling them closer to you, Lord God. That you would even show them a picture of what it looks like, what they would look like if they pursue you and give you their will. And will that your will be their will. I speak healing right now in Jesus' name. I come against fear, Lord God. I come against anxiety, Lord Jesus. I come against depression right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your blood, Lord God. I thank you, God. You took the stripes on the cross, Lord, so that we could experience freedom, God. And your word says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed in Jesus' name. God, as we have accepted you as our Savior, freedom comes with that acceptance, Lord Jesus. And I speak freedom into this room right now. I speak freedom in Jesus' name. No more tormenting right now. We command every spirit that would torment your people to release them right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. We say yes. We say yes. God, we say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way, Father, we say yes. If you want some prayer, if you want us to lay hands on you, I, I'm inviting you to come up right now. It doesn't have to be specific. If you want to meet God, and make a public declaration, God, holy and with my whole heart, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm making the decision today, and if I have to make it again tomorrow, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. If you want us to agree with you, go ahead and come on up. And I'm going to have the pastoral team of Vince, if you can come up and help me pray for people. And Ariel, I'm going to ask that you would come up and sing that song for us again. And as we're singing that song, you press into God. Press in. Look at the map of your life. Look at your purpose and your destiny map and see where you're at. And I challenge you to make a decision to go deeper with God. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Lord, to us. worship Raise you. Raise your hands to the Lord. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Lord, to worship you. 